And, and last week we dove in, we talked about how we can fish and what that looks like for our lives and the fact that, man, if we're gonna be about people and we're gonna love people and we're gonna embrace people and we're really gonna truly be fishers of men, then there's some things that we need to do in our lives. And, and one of, some of those things that we talked about is we need to recognize the potential in other people. We need to see the potential that people have. And then we talked about the fact that, that man, we need to go and serve those people and we need to help them in any way possible and, and get our lives outside of ourselves and start seeing in others and doing for others. And finally, we talked about just speaking words of life into people and how encouraging words and how somebody encouraging us can help us move beyond the point where we are at to truly becoming what God intends for us to be. And this week, we're gonna, we're gonna kind of dive in and, and talk some more about this. But what I wanna do today is we talked about... Um, what, what we all should be doing, you know, in life, man, we should be fishers of men. And what does that look like? How can we practically do that? And today I want to kind of unpack the why behind the what, because a lot of times people tell us to do things, but we don't, and we're like, okay, we can do that. But why are we doing that? What is the purpose of that? And, and I think it's important that we always know the why behind the what, because when we understand the why behind the what, the what is just something we do automatically because we understand the heart behind it. And today we're really gonna dive in and talk about one of the values of our church and one of the things that we really embrace as a church. And we're like, man, this is what we are all about. But before we do that, uh, I, was, I was thinking this week how words uh, over time, they seem to to, they change meanings, don't they? You know, like what was cool like 30 years ago uh, is not necessarily those words that people would say do not mean the same thing. You know, gay 30 years ago did not mean uh, homosexual. It meant happy, you know, and that kind of, that word, the context of that word has changed over time. And there's lots of things that have changed like that. And, and I have a friend uh, who's an older pastor. He's in like his seventies. And, um, when he was growing up, his mom, uh, after she would wash her clothes, she would take her pantyhose and hang them in the bathroom. Anybody remember their mom hanging some pantyhose in the bathroom? And they would say, hey, we're, we're hanging up our hose in the bathroom. And so he grew up in that as that was what that meant. And, and, and so he was, he was actually speaking one Sunday and it was Father's Day. And he was uh, honoring some dads and he's like, hey, I want the dad with the most kids. And, and a guy came up and he's like, how many kids do you have? And he's like, man, I have eight kids. He's like, what is the breakdown of that, man? He's like, I have eight girls. And he looked at them. In, in all sincereness, and he says, that's a lot of hoes in the bathroom. <laughs> and he didn't understand why everybody was laughing in the crowd like you are right now. You know, everybody's rolling on the ground and stuff, and he, he ends the service, and some of his younger pastors came to him. He's like 70 years old and said, listen, that means this. And he was just mortified because the context of things change in time. You know, some of those words and how we use them, they're just totally different today than what they were 30, 40 years ago. And, and that happens so many times and it happens a lot in the church. And I'm so grateful that, that a lot of church leaders are going back and saying, you know, what? we need to get to the foundational words of our faith. And we need to really teach what these mean, not what they've changed to. And one of the words that, that has kind of a bad connotation is this word evangelism. This word evangelism, when we think about evangelism, we think about, you know, people that are out there with, with signs as you're way on, on your way to the ball game, turn or burn, you're, you know, you're gonna fry like a piece of bacon, you know, all that kind of stuff. If you don't know Jesus, 
And we, when we've seen this bad context of how evangelism is done, and we think that's not right, or we, we know some person that, you know, they, you've heard the saying that that person is so spiritually minded that they're no earthly good, you know, that they're out there and they're like, how are you doing, man? I'm brother. As soon as they say brother, you know, they're jacked up. And they say, brother, you know, I am awesome. You know, I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb, unlike you who are going straight to hell, you know? And then they bring out their big Bible and beat you up and hope that you end up following Jesus because of that. And, and so we've seen this done in the wrong way for so long that we have this connotation with the word evangelism that, man, this is a bad thing. This is not something that's good. And that's exactly the opposite because what I believe, and I, I love how one of my mentors, his name is Perry Noble, he said, he said what evangelism truly is, is, is one beggar telling another beggar where he can find some bread. Is one beggar telling another beggar where he can find some bread? Where is a place that he can go? It's really this whole idea that it's one person telling something, somebody else who they love about somebody else who they love. And it's namely Jesus. That's what evangelism is. And, you know, somebody tells you, you know, if you're, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and this is exactly why you don't go to church because of what we're talking about right here, you know, if somebody tells you about something they love, as long as it's not Jesus, it's okay. Like, I, my favorite restaurant is here. It's called Seasons 52. Anybody like Seasons 52? It's like unbelievable. I went there and I had the very best filet mignon I've ever had in my life. Well, as soon as I ate that, you know, it's the kind that you like cut in, cut with a butter knife and when it puts in your mouth, it like melts. It's like unbelievable. It's awesome. And, and like I ate a steak there and I've told everybody about Seasons 52. I think it's the best restaurant it is around there. And when I tell people about it, nobody gets mad at me. Why don't they get mad at me? Because I'm just telling them about something I like that I think that they'll like as well. Well, the same thing is true about Jesus, man. Because I've experienced this relationship with Jesus and how he's changed my life, I just want to tell other people that I love about this other person that I love that I think they would love as well. And we got to understand that, is, that evangelism is something different. And listen, 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 and you've got to understand this. According to scriptures, guys, we've got to embrace the fact that found people find people. If you've been found by Christ, it's our job to find other people. If you've been found, it isn't that Jesus said it was a great idea. He said it's the great commission. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, it's not something that I would like for you to do. It's the thing I want you to do. It's not an optional thing. It is the only thing. It's why you have been found. And I want you to understand that it's, it's almost impossible to be a follower of Christ and not be passionate about the things that God was passionate about. Because here's the thing. God was more passionate of, not about people that were already found, but those who were lost. All of his life, he was like, man, I care for those that are broken and destitute that are far from me. In fact, he said in, in the scriptures, he said this, he said, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus' life wasn't about finding those that were already found. He was about finding those that were lost so they could be found. And when they were found, they could go tell other people who were lost so that they could be found as well. And today, what, what I really want to dive into is this whole value of our church that, that found people find people. That found people find people. If you've been found by Christ, man, it is our responsibility, it is our obligation as a follower of Jesus to find other people to be spreading the good news about what God has done in each and every one of our lives. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to go dive into to John chapter 1. If you guys want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, we're going to go through and we're going to answer four questions today. And I think they're four very vital questions. I think that in order for us to truly be followers of Christ, man, we've got to answer these questions. We've got to know what they are. 
And we've got to live them out because they're so critical. And the first one is this, it's when. And it says, whole idea is, when did I meet Christ? When did I get saved? When did I come into a relationship with him? Whatever you, however you want to say that, when did you have an encounter with God that radically transformed your life because you came into contact with a loving God who saw you in, your, in the pit that you were and he reached in and pulled you out and gave you life and more abundantly? When did that happen? And I love in John 1, 43, it says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, there's a couple things I want you to circle here. If you feel comfortable circling in your Bible or you can circle on your notes, I want you to circle, he, circle found Philip. Now did, now, did Philip find Jesus? Okay, let's try this one more time. Now did, <laughs> that's, that's a question I want you to answer. Not just stare at me blankly like a cow at a new gate, okay? Um, who found who? Did, did Philip find Jesus? No, Jesus found Philip, right? That's good, you guys. Oh man, it's a bright crowd in here today, man. We are doing well, we are doing well. I also want you to circle the words, follow me. Jesus said, follow me. Who found him, who? Man, Jesus found Philip. You know why Jesus found Philip instead of Philip finding Jesus? It's because Philip wasn't looking. Philip wasn't looking for Jesus. And you know what, it's so funny to me because people all the time, they, they say some crazy things. And, and, and there's a couple of phrases that people use all the time and I'm like, they just aren't right. There's one phrase that, is, is, that people tell me all the time is, is I need to find myself. I need to find myself, man, I wanna find myself. And that is the dumbest phrase I've ever heard in my life because I've never met anyone who has found themselves. It's not like they were at Walmart one day and they're going through because they were hungry looking for a bag of Cheetos and wanted to get their oil changed and grab some Fix-A-Flat and they're walking through Walmart and somebody is, and themselves are standing at the checkout line. They walk up and say, hey, I've been looking for you. Where have you been? And oh, I've been looking for you as well. Man, it's so good that we finally found you. And they've never come up to me and said, man, I finally found myself. And if, you say, if you've done that, then you're smoking crack, okay? I just want you to know that. The second thing is, is people that tell me, you know what, I found God. You know what, no, you haven't. Nobody has found God because God was never lost. God was never lost. And if you want some scriptural evidence for that, that's, you can look at Romans 3, 10 through 12. It says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks. All have turned away. They have not become, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. It's not like the most encouraging verses in the world. You know, nobody's writing books about those verses or anything, but it's pretty evident. None of us are God seekers. None of us naturally are God seekers. If you're a Christian, you're a Christian because God reached down into the midst of your life and reached out and he grabbed you and he found you. He found you. And that is what's so amazing about the grace of God is that he is searching and he is looking for us continuously because he finds us. And it's such a big deal. And a lot of us in this room, you know, we, if you're like me and you grew up and you had a messed up life, you know that you needed to be found because you were lost. You know, it's back like when you were in kindergarten and while everybody else was drawing at the table, you had the crayon and you were smoking it while sniffing some glue and undressing Barbie, you know, and you were just messed up. You were just jacked up. And I know some of you are like, he just described my son. I didn't mean to, okay? I'm not talking about your kids. But we were messed up. We were in need of being found. And when God reached down and found us, we were like, thank you, man. I'm no longer lost, but I'm found today. I'm found.
And some of you guys, you know what, you, you, you say to yourselves, you know what, man, I, it's crazy to me because I just think about this all the time. I think the biggest mission field right now in America is the local church. Because we've been deceived for so long into thinking that, that we found something that we haven't found. And a lot of people, I mean, they, they got, you know, they were like saved in church. I mean, they, when they were born, they were born into the church. It was like their mom did not even go to the hospital. She just gave birth in the church, and that baby came out and fell right into the baptistry pool, came out, was sprinkled, you know, memorized the entire Bible, speaking in tongues, just everything was going on, walked out with a Bible with a name engraved on it, and they think, man, I have a relationship with Jesus. Because we've been around all the stuff that goes along with God, but we've never truly really known God. We've found all these rules and regulations and we've tried to follow them, but the reality is, is we've never really had an encounter with a loving God that we've experienced this relationship. And my question for all of us today is when do we get saved? Because I walk up to people in church all the time that have been around for a long time, and, I, uh, and if I ask them the question, if you were to die today, do you know where you would go? A lot of them will be like, well, um, maybe, I think so. You could not answer that question. You know what the funny thing is, is if I were to go ask a married couple, hey, are you guys married? I've never heard them, mm, hmm, I'm trying to remember back. There was that day that we said some things in front of a priest. Yeah, I, I think we're married. I, I think so. Nobody's ever going to say that. Or nobody's going to say, you know what? I've, hey, how long have you guys been married? Oh, we've always been married because that's what a lot of people in church say. Oh, I've always been saved. I, you know, I was born in the church. Man, if you were always married, you, you're, you know, you're just smoking some crazy stuff. And we've got to recognize that, man, God, God, we've got to answer this this when question, when did we meet Christ? When did we meet Christ? When did that encounter with Jesus come into our lives? And I'm not talking about when you were five years old and they did the, the, the heaven and hell skit where there's a car crash and two people go to heaven and two people are dragged off by demons and you know, they're like, you know, as a kid and they scared you into heaven. Because listen, we can manipulate you to say a prayer, but that's not having an encounter with Jesus. And you want to know what salvation is? It isn't a prayer. It's us recognizing that, man, we are fallen beings and we are here. And there is a loving God that is over here. That, is se- that There is this void that's separating us called sin. And there's no earthly good that we can do that can earn our way to that. There's nothing that we can do that will get us to that point besides recognizing that he sent his son to die on the cross so that we could have life and we could have it more abundantly. And he is the only way that can bridge that gap. And if we find Jesus, we can bridge that gap between us and God and we can encounter a relationship with him and it's only through his cross and it's only through his blood and it's only through his resurrection that we can have that relationship and it isn't about following rules and regulations it's about having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and I want to know when did that happen in your life when did that take place I hope that you can answer that question by the end of today when did that take place because the interesting thing in this story is Jesus what did he say to Philip he said follow me 
He said, follow me, because what you gotta understand is in that day, Jesus was a rabbi. And the rabbis would have these people that were called Talmuds, and Talmuds were followers of the rabbi. And so basically they would do and emulate everything that a rabbi would do. So if Jesus walked into the market and picked up a piece of fruit and smelled it and put it down, the, the Talmuds would come in after him and they'd pick up the fruit and they'd smell it and they'd emulate every single thing that Jesus did. So if Jesus scratched his head with his right hand, they would all go and scratch their head with their right hands because they were emulating their rabbi because they wanted to be like the rabbi. And what Jesus is saying to Philip there is he's saying, hey, I want you to come and follow and emulate me. I want your life to look like my life. And what he's saying to you and I today is he's saying, listen, I don't want you just to know me, but I want you to follow me with everything that you have. I want your life to look like my life. And so as you're continuously moving in your walk with faith, when did that take place that you started following Jesus and having your life look more and more like his life daily? When did that happen? And listen, man, the reason most of us aren't fired up about God is because we have never met him. Because it's hard to be fired up and passionate about somebody or something that you do not know. Second question that we gotta answer is the who. It's the when, when did we find Christ, then who? And, and I don't know about you guys, but I love caffeine. Anybody like caffeine addicts out there? Like I can, uh, just give me an IV of caffeine, man. I will just take it all. I love coffee. I love Mountain Dew. I love Red Bull. I love it all together as a cocktail. It's awesome. <laughs> like give me all of it. But I, I'm like, I was one of those Starbucks, like foo-foo drinkers, you know, that's not really didn't like the coffee. And then one day I became a man and decided like, I'm gonna drink coffee black. And uh, that was a big change. And I started drinking it. And I was like, this is awesome. And, and then I started combining it with Mountain Dew, you know, kind of chasing it. And then somebody introduced me to a Red Bull. And I want to tell you, you want to get crazy. You just drink that in a combination and you are consumed because you don't drink that stuff to be calm. You drink it to be crazy. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I did that and I would come out here and preach and I would say stuff. I have no idea what I said to this day. I can't even listen to the podcast because it doesn't make any sense. I'm just spitting words out that make no sense whatsoever, but it's awesome. <laughs> but when we, <laughs> I don't know why I just said all that. <laughs> yeah. When we meet Christ, a couple things happen. First thing is this, is man, we, we start to have the mind of Christ. That means, man, our thoughts and our, our ideas start to become like Christ. The second thing that happens is, is, man, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens is when those things start to happen in our lives, it's just like drinking all that coffee and Red Bull and, and, and Mountain Dew. All of a sudden, we get consumed with something. We get consumed with the very heart of God. And the heart of God is people. And that's people that are far from him. Because that's what Jesus was all about in his life. That was all that he cared about. And, and see, Philip was found by Jesus. And what was the first thing that Philip did in the next verse, in, in verse 44, it says, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael. Philip found Nathanael. Jesus found Philip, and then Philip goes and found, finds Nathanael. You want to know why? Because found people find people. People that are found by God go out and find other people. And so he was found by him, and it was said, we have found him whom the Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And my question for you is, who do you know that needs a relationship with Jesus? 
Who do you know that needs to have an encounter with God? Because we are not on this planet to make much of us. We are on this planet to make much of him. And our life has got to be consumed with how can we make Jesus' name more famous in every aspect of our lives, in our workplace, in our home, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in every single aspect of our life. What are we doing to make his name famous in every single thing that we do? And and it's so frustrating me because I get people coming up to me all the time that are like, TJ, man, man, I'm the only Christian at my job. Will you pray for me? And I'm like, no, I won't pray for you because this is the thing. Maybe God put you in your job with nobody else as a Christ follower so that you could be Christ to them. It's not something to complain about. It's something to get jacked up about because God has strategically placed you in an unbelievable opportunity so you can show other people this all-consuming love of Jesus. It's consuming your life so you can pass it on to others because found people find people. Same thing with, with your kids, man. They're going to a public school and they're like, oh man, they're not teaching Christian values and stuff. No, that's because your kids go in there so they can have those values to teach other kids so that they can show the love of Christ. Man, we gotta recognize that God is strategically placing us in places so that he can use us for an unbelievable opportunities with the people around us. Unbelievable opportunities that are out there. Man, and the people that we know that don't know Christ, man, they're hungry for something. They are searching for something more in life. Because what the world gives, it doesn't fulfill. I remember in 1987, I was, uh, I was just had turned nine years old, and uh, it was Christmas time, 1987, and I got one of the best Christmas presents I'd ever gotten in my life. It was a Nintendo. Anybody remember the Nintendo? I mean, Techno Bowl. It was like the greatest thing ever, ever. Bo Jackson back and forth the entire way for a touchdown. If you had a, a Nintendo, that's all you did. You played Techno Bowl all, all the time. And I was like, this is the best present I've ever gotten in my life, you know, up to that point. And, and for like two years, I loved it. But you know what happened? Like two years later, there's this thing called Sega Genesis that came out. And all of a sudden, Nintendo wasn't cool anymore. I wanted a Sega. You know what happened about two years after that? A Nintendo, (laughs) another Nintendo, a Super Nintendo came out. And then a PlayStation, then a PlayStation 2, then an Xbox. You know why? Because the thing that was so great doesn't bring fulfillment. And there's always something better around the way because the things of this world will never fulfill people. The only thing that will fulfill people is Jesus. It's the only thing that will fulfill others. And we have got this thing in our lives and we've got to recognize that we have got this thing. So who do we know that needs Jesus? Because all the stuff that they're searching out right now, it is not fulfilling them. And the only thing that they will ever encounter that will fulfill them is a life-giving relationship with the one who saved our lives. Third thing is how. How. I don't know about you guys, but one of the most frustrating things in life is, is somebody telling you to go do something and not telling you how to do it. Anybody ever experienced that where you, somebody tells you to do something, you're like, but how do I do this? I don't know how to do it. And it's just like you want to wring their neck. And, and, and so many times that's what we've done in the church. Hey, go evangelize, go do this and go do that. But we don't ever tell you how. That's why we spent the last couple of weeks saying, this is how you do it. This is how you engage in people's lives. This is how you love people. If you just, if you just put your heart out there, man, people will be drawn to those things. And this is the why behind all of that stuff. But Jesus, Jesus is thinking, man, man, we've got to do a better job than what we've been doing. Because I don't know about you guys or if you've recognized it, but 94% of our community does not go to church every weekend. That means 94 out of 100 people in all reality probably do not have a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. That means they're, they're missing out. And it breaks my heart every day knowing that people are dying right here in our community and going to hell. 
And that is a reality. I know some people don't believe in hell, but hell is a real place. It's not some fictional thing made up. It's a real place that if we do not know the loving embrace of our Savior and have a relationship with him, that is where we are determined to go. And we need to recognize that, man, we need to do something about us. And, and, and this is awesome. Philip found um, Nathaniel, and, and, and in verse 46 it says, Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Like, think about this. I, I, I love this. Uh, Philip's out there, and he's evangelizing. He goes to Nathaniel, and he's like, man, you gotta, you gotta, man, tell, I'm telling you about Jesus. And what do you say? He, uh, first thing he does is he doubts. He's like, come on, this is skeptical. I'm a little skeptical. Can really Nazareth, anything good really come out of Nazareth? I mean, Nazareth, that's kind of like Margate. You know, what comes out of good comes, sorry if you're from Margate. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so anyway, this guy is skeptical. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, and I, skeptical people don't bother me. You know what? Skeptical people, they kind of excite me because for so long, Christians, you know, if you ask them how they're doing, they're so fake. They're like, man, I'm blessed. And they were just cussing their wife out on the way to the church, you know, and they're just, but a skeptical person, you ask them how their life's going, they'll be like, man, my life sucks. You know, they're just honest and authentic. And I lo just love that right there. And, and, and what we got to understand is that the disciples were skeptical as well. Even after they'd spent years with Jesus, you can read in Matthew 28. I mean, they, Jesus had just risen from the grave and they were still doubting whether this was real. So if the, if the disciples were doubting all this stuff and they had seen it all, what, why would we think other people would be skeptical of that? But I love Philip's response. I love Philip's response to him. And he says something I think is so awesome. And he says, listen, I know you have all these doubts, but just why don't you just come and check this out? Why don't you just come and see? And that is such a great response because this is what I know is that that is the value that we have here at this church is that, man, we will put together amazing services every weekend. You go and you love your friends and you just tell them, why don't you just come and see what Jesus is doing? Why don't you just come and see? Because here's the deal. It doesn't matter what we do. We cannot change anybody. But you know who changes things? Jesus changes things. And when we come and we see Jesus, it's his job to transform people's lives. It's not our job. We can't make anybody do anything. But if we'll get them around Jesus, we'll see Jesus transform their lives. A couple of months ago, I was driving down 441, and there was this guy um, that, was, that was hitchhiking down the road. And, and I don't encourage anybody to do this, but um, I was driving in my Jeep with my top down, and there was nobody next to me. And he looks over to me, and he says, hey, can I get a ride? And of course, my first response is, no way, man. You're a, you're a guy walking down the street. I don't know you. You could just slit my throat. But then I started thinking about it. Um, I'm in a Jeep. It's pretty wide open. Probably, he's probably not going to be able to kill me without anybody else seeing it. So... Uh, <laughs> I was like, come on, get in. And, and we started driving. I was asking him about his life. And uh, he's like, man, I, I, I've, I've been walking to work every day and I'm just worn out and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and, and I was asking him about his job. And finally he asked me what I do. And I, I hate that question because everything changes at that point. And I said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. And he started telling me about how much he hated God. And I was like, that's awesome, man. But here's the deal. Our church is a little bit different. Why don't you just come and see? Listen, I don't have to argue with anybody because I, you know what? My arguing is, has never convinced anybody to come to Christ. My theology has never convinced anybody to come to Christ. You know what has convinced people to come to Christ? Jesus. 
an encounter with Jesus. And I want to tell you guys, over the next five weeks, man, we're going to be starting a series called Man Versus Wife, and it is going to be dynamite. You do not want to miss it, man. I've got some boxing gloves up here because we're going to take off the gloves in relationships, and we're going to break down how we can have successful relationships, whether you're married, whether you're single, uh, whether you want to be married, whether you never want to be married again, whatever it is, I want to help you have healthy relationships. And so we're going to break it down. We're going to talk about it. And over those five weeks, every single week, if you bring people that are far from God, they're going to be dynamite opportunities is for them to have an encounter with Jesus in an environment where they can see him high and lifted up and experience him. And you just got to tell your friends and family, come and see. Come and see. Come and check it out. Now, I, I, I love this uh, in verse 47. It says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed, indeed in whom there is no deceit. Now, Nathanael, he was still doubting at this point, but he said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And that is so powerful because here is, here's a guy that's, you know, it's kind of a dumb question. How do you know me? Here's the created, looking at the creator, asking him, how do you know me? And Jesus is like, man, I know every single thing about you. I know everything about your life. And let me just tell you, there's somebody that's in here that you're saying to yourself, there's no way that I could ever come to God. There's no way that God would ever accept me. You don't understand my past. You don't understand what I've done and where I've been. And let me just tell you something. Jesus knows everything about your life and he is pursuing you with everything he has got because he wants to find you. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. He wants to find you. And it's because of his amazing grace that he's going to continue to pursue your life. He's going to Continue to put people in your path that'll say, come and see what God is all about. And he wants to encounter you and have a relationship with you. Verse 49, it says, Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He went from, man, what good can come from Nazareth to like, who in the world is this guy? To like, you are the son of God. He went from hating this guy to like, man, you are my everything. See, Philip got, uh, got Nathanael to Jesus and Jesus did the transformation. And if we'll allow ourselves to get ourselves out of the way and think, man, I'm not going to change anybody, but I'm going to allow Jesus to do it, Jesus will transform people. We just got to remove ourselves from the equation. We got we to tell people, we got to help them be found, but then we got to step away and let God do his thing, and God will do his thing. The answer to everything is, man, we just got to be passionate about Jesus and helping people see him we're going to be, man, how is this going to work, man? Just come and see Jesus. Come and have an encounter with him. Come, come and see, because this is what God will do, man. He will always show up. It says he is no respecter of persons. That means he is available to anybody and every single person. And this is the thing. He didn't die so some people could go to heaven. He died for all. He said that whosoever should perish. You know who whosoever is? That's everybody. He didn't just die for an elect few. He had died for everyone. We just need to let people see Jesus for who he is and have an encounter with him. And the fourth thing is, is what? What else? What else? A couple of years ago after uh, coming home from church one, one Sunday afternoon, uh, my wife and I came home and somebody, one of our family members had stopped by our house and they left a note on the door and uh, they said, 
um, your pet snake is out in your house. And um, we looked at this note and we said, we don't have a pet snake. So I'm not really sure what that means, um, but it wasn't a really good thing. And so my wife and I, we were just, we were just worn out. We, we had just gone through like five services that Sunday morning and, and we were like, man, it's nap time. And we had one of those beds from like Ikea that's like this high off the ground. And uh, Shayla's like, what, do you, what is this whole snake thing? And I'm like, I don't have a clue, sweetheart. And, uh, but let's just go take a nap. And so we're laying in bed and, and I've, I've already fallen asleep. And Shayla starts hearing a noise. And so she starts, you know, moving me, shaking me. And finally, I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I think there's something by you. And, uh, and I look over and there's this enormous snake on our wood floor snither, slithering. And I'm like, there's a snake. And next thing I know, Shayla is on top of the bed like, ah, ah, you know, just freaking out. Get the snake, get the snake. You know, and me just being stupid, I just run over and grab the snake. And I've got the snake and I'm running outside and I throw it off of our balcony like an idiot. <laughs> and I come back in and I'm like, let's go back to sleep. And she's like, there's no way I'm going back to sleep. Like her, uh, like she's had sleep apnea ever since. Like she's never taken another nap in her life. And that night I was laying there and I was... I was replaying the whole thing in my mind and I was thinking about this whole thing of... What, what might have been? What might have been if we were asleep and that snake had just happened to crawl into our bed and just coiled around us? I mean, maybe it could have killed one of us. Maybe it could have hurt one of us. I don't, I don't know. And I think about my life before Christ and how jacked up and how messed up it was. I say to myself, what if Jeanette Durstein hadn't told me about Christ 14 years ago? What could have been? None of this would be here. The church that we came from would not have been what it was. And I want to ask you, what could have been in your life? Because here's what I know is God wants to do greater things through each and every one of us. And the greatest thing that we can do for others is give them life. And the, this amazing plan that God has for your life, you know what? He has the same plan. Different context for each and every person, but your friends, your family workers, your co-workers. He's got a great plan for them. And what could be if they don't experience Jesus? What could be, man, we can miss out on the next Billy Graham. We can miss out on the next great church. We can miss out on the next great revival to happen in our land. And God is encouraging us as, as a body of believers here at Coastal Community Church, and I believe as a body of believers everywhere, if this is in your church and you go to some other church, man, I believe this is a value for every single Christ follower is that, man, found people, find people. So what do we do? You know, the last couple of weeks, I've been encouraging you guys to write down your friends and your family who don't know Christ and start praying for them. Start believing for them. Man, I, uh, today, what I want you to do, I gave every single person a pen and, and some things in your bulletin. Man, take those out. And, and on that information card, write down some of those people. Man, we want to be praying for those people with you. 
We wanna be believing that God will give you some divine opportunities, not to, not to necessarily, you don't have to know Romans wrote and tell them all about Jesus, but what you do have to have the boldness to do is say, you know what, come and see. And I don't really care where they go and see at, they can go to any church around here. Man, there's incredible churches around here. And I'm so thankful that there are. In fact, April, who is leading worship here, is we borrowed her from Church by the Glades this weekend because, man, we are partnering together to see people come to Christ. And this isn't about growing a church. This is about making it hard for people to go to hell in Broward County. That's what we're all about. That's what every church should be about. And that's what our goal is as, as churches, as a community. Man, we wanna make it so hard for people to go to hell here, man. We wanna make sure that they have multiple opportunities to hear the message of Christ, every man, woman, and child. And I'm not gonna shut up. I'm not gonna put up until the gates of hell are closed down and, the, and heaven is overpopulated because people matter to God. You matter to God. And the people around you matter to him so much. And it's time for us to get beyond ourselves and start living for the one who gave it all. Jesus Christ. And for some of you, maybe that's gonna look like, you, you know what, I'm gonna invite some friends. For some of you, that's gonna be, you know, that coworker that keeps talking to you about their problems, man, you're gonna to start to engage in, that, in that, that conversation a little bit more. You're not just gonna let it pass by anymore, but you're gonna start listening and you're gonna start encouraging them and seeing the potential in them. For some of you guys, that's gonna mean, you know what, I'm tired of just kind of playing this church game, but I wanna dive all in and I wanna give my life to Christ and I'm gonna start living for him. For some others of you, it's gonna be turning that information card over and saying, you know what, I'm tired of just attending. I wanna be more than an attender. I wanna be a giver and I wanna get involved and I wanna give of my time and I wanna serve in different areas. And listen, man, we need your help. I don't know if you've noticed over the last couple of weeks, but our attendance has like doubled since a month ago. God is up to something here and he wants to use us to cause transformation to happen in this community. And we're gonna do it together when we partner together to see God make us fishers of men. Let's pray. God, I just come before you and I thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That you didn't come just so that you could live a life, but you came so that we could experience life. God, I pray that you would give us a passion for the people around us, God. That we'd recognize, man, if we are truly following Christ, then we truly have got to be fishers of men. And if we've been found, then we've got to find people. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're out there today and you say to yourself, man, I've been around a, a lot of rules and regulations, but I've never really found Christ. I know about God, but I've never experienced what you're talking about here today. And you say, you know what, TJ, man, I'm ready to experience that relationship. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just slip your hand up real quick, I wanna pray with you. Yes, yes. 
Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? Another second. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. God, we just come before you. And we recognize that, man, God, we've been going through life and we've been trying to do it on our own. And we might be doing all the rules and regulations, but we've never experienced relationship. And today, God, I come before you and I give you my heart. And I recognize that you died on the cross, not so that I could just do all these things, but so that you and I could know one another. And I just repent of my sins right now, God. And I invite you to not just be in my life, but to be Lord of my life. Change me, transform me. Help me to see people the way that you see them. Help me not to live for myself, but to live for you. God, thank you for the life that you're experiencing, that some people are experiencing right now. God, I just pray that all of us, as we're following Christ, man, we would sell out to not just following not just following you, God, but finding people for you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.